Oh, thank you for keeping the time. Always good. You wow. see, I am the clock. Uh, Without me, there is no time. Did you watch it? Okay, so I watched it. Okay, good. I, I watched, watched everything everywhere. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's a big, one big culture episode. Okay. <laughs> it is a big culture swapping Woo! episode. Wait, wow. should we start talking about that right now? I, I, Hi. I, I, hello. <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Jerome. And I am Kenyon. And mm, 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 wouldn't it be nice to just spend a little time with the culture today? Wouldn't it be nice? I think it would. So let's do it. Yeah, spoilers are ahead, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Welcome back, uh, <laughs> everyone. You're in the right place. Um, towards the beginning of this, you know, installation of episodes, we'll call Ooh, it. I love calling it an installation. Not a season, but an installation, rather. An installation. Um, That's good. Jerome and I gave each other some homeworks, some, you know, tidbits of the culture that the other had not yet been made privy to. And yes. you know how well we respond to homework <laughs> <laughs> and deadlines and things Ew, of yes, that nature. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're no, we've listened, we've we've engaged, and we're coming back. We're ready to come to back to discuss. Um, and we yeah, we had assigned each other totally other separate things, but you watched Tar. I did, which Wait, you told me to okay, watch. So- and I watched everything everywhere. Which, of which, course, everyone told you to watch, actually. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, we have to start with Tar, because I ultimately, I love Tar. I think Tar is great. I think it's... People act like it's very deep. I think it's not, actually. I think it's actually very simple. <laughs> okay, I um, love this take. I love this take so far. Because, ultimately, it's an astounding movie. It's an astounding performance. Um... And I just love the things that she says. I'm Petra's father. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, the craft, the movie making is really amazing. Just like the the kinds of shots, the locations, the, I was in awe about all of that. Mm -hmm. Which I do think kind of gives it this like prestige air. Yeah. That like maybe, you know, makes people want to grab, you know, for more complicated theories and explanations and just like this is the person who yeah. acts like that okay <laughs> and you know them i know them yeah we- there are all these interviews of people being like well kate what does this say about you know that you take took a movie or like a character that's like about cancel culture and you made it a woman and she's always <laughs> like <laughs> Um, you mean a movie about a person who <laughs> makes mistakes and is flawed, right? 
And I find that to be very funny. I, th- I think people just are like, what is it saying? And I don't think it's all that. I just think that woman is crazy. <laughs> you see, I am the clock. Without me, there is no time. <laughs> okay, the gestures. And where my right hand is keeping time, unlike a clock, I can stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's so funny. It's, it is comedy to me. <laughs> and, and like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to convincingly do that, I feel. Yeah, certainly. And I feel like she got as close as anybody was going to get. Oh, and she that's really her conduct, you know, that's her doing it. Yeah. Then apparently the recordings are of her conducting the whichever Phil, the Berlin Phil or whoever Work. they got to be on that. Um, I'm like, wait, that's kind of cool. That is cool that you could like just do that. Having never like people would die <laughs> to do that job. Yeah. And you, well, well. <laughs> but, but she's Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I was, well, there it is. I was listening to an interview with her and she was like, yeah, the first day we got on set, you know, there's lots of like interstitial, you know, pieces to film me in the hallways, me, you know, going from place to place. <laughs> so I was asking Todd, you know, can we start with that kind of make it easy? And he was like, well, no, we only have the orchestra for this week. And <gasps> so the very first thing that they filmed was her oh conducting. Oh my God, <laughs> that is amazing. That is so amazing. Which is just like... How'd she do it? Right, right. <laughs> I really, a lot of respect to just jumping in the deep end there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Good for her. I love that woman. Okay, and you watched Everything Everywhere. Okay, and I watched Everything Everywhere. And here, this is the full, well, first of all, obviously, everyone has been saying to watch this movie for over a year. Um, <laughs> is that possible? When did it come out? It came out in March of 2022. Wow. Work. So I was very behind. But, you know, I, like, really wanted to see it in the theater. And then it was, like, too late to really see it in the theater. Or, like, mm-hmm. to easily see it in the theater. It never stopped playing in the theaters for a year, which was very cool. That's what they said in the Oscar speech. Wow. Um, but... I was like, okay, when Oscar season comes back, like it's going to be back in the theaters again. So I'll just wait to watch it until then. But then I was like, maybe I'll just watch it on my computer on Showtime. But then I was like, no, I'm not going to want to watch it on my computer. I'm going to want to watch it on a big screen. Anyway, so I watched it at a movie theater. And for the first, I I don't remember how long the movie is, maybe like just over two hours or something. Um, For the first like hour and a bit, I was like, oh no, like, am I going to like leave this movie that everyone loved and be like, I didn't like it because for the first, I was so focused on like, I want to understand it. Like I want to understand the logic Mm. of the universes and jumping from one, one universe into another. And I really wanted to like, I wanted to understand it. Um, And then there was some thing that like, we just got to some scene and I was like, wait, I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it. It's, excellent it's so good (laughs) i think it was actually um it might have been the scene with the rocks it might have been the first time that they're rocks oh my gosh and they're talking yes 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 yeah and i first knew that that scene was amazing because i was me reading the text so i'm doing the work okay hello i'm reading the text (laughs) in my mind and i'm like wow like (laughs) 
I'm like, wow, Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Hsu are so good in this scene. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, they're not in this scene. <laughs> They're not doing anything. My brain AI is like deep faking them reading these <laughs> lines. <laughs> but that's when I was like, wait, their characters are so fully realized and like tangible to me that even just read it, like I'm reading the script, like I'm reading. Right. You're I'm reading the reading lines the and, and I'm moved rocks. to tears. Yes. And so from then then out, it was like, oh, no, this is amazing. So I truly, I am the person that's like, I'm watching the movie and I like need to understand it. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to the Wikipedia page after to be like, wait, what happened? And I need to know what happened. And if I can't, typically, if I can't understand what's happening in a movie from watching it, I'd say that's a bad movie because I didn't understand what was happening. Um, which I understand is not true in like all film, but like, in the film films that I watch, on, that is typically how it goes. And so for the first big chunk of this movie, I was like, oh God, like, I don't understand it. And so I don't like it because I'm spending all this time thinking about like, oh, like, what is the logic? Like, how do they jump for whatever? But then something totally clicked and snapped. And I, I think I literally cried for the rest of the movie. Like, just <laughs> wept the, straight through the rest of the movie. Like, when Kia Kwan is like... When he's like, I know you think that I, I forget the exact line, but he's like, I know you think I'm not a fighter, but I right. am. And this is how I fight. Right. Oh my God. That took, that tore me apart. And, uh, uh, okay. That makes that me really so happy to hear you say all of that, really. Um, I've started like, when people ask me like, how, like, is a movie good or not? I, uh-huh. I, I've started like punting that question and just answering the question did I feel anything or not you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. and I feel like it's it's to what you're saying too about like okay understanding what's going on is actually if we deprioritize that a little bit then we get to yeah have an experience cool yeah love that yeah and I think it's also like I mean that's what people gets in the way for people of like the the thing that immediately comes to mind is just thinking about like movies that feel like like kids movies or whatever and people are like oh how can you like that or like like steven universe like oh like that's for kids and it's like yeah okay that's fine but like what did it make you feel like did you watch this and feel something watching it because that's the point right the point is not that it's you know prestige the point is not which honestly is the thing that to loop it back to tar is like you guys are so many people talking about the movie are so obsessed with it being like a prestige thing. It's like, but what did it actually make you feel and think? Yeah. And that's what was so effective about everything everywhere. Okay. Granted, well, I've never, I've never seen the matrix. Okay. Wait, how? But no, I know <laughs> another time. Okay. <laughs> but that being said, I've never seen anything like this movie. Like I've never seen any movie that is like everything everywhere. And I loved it. It is instantly one of my favorite movies. I love that. I really love that. Um, I want to know, I mean, if you feel like sharing, what did you feel? To come to the real question at hand. I mean, the thing that is always going to get me, the thing that will make me cry in a movie is any sort of like, 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 let's just like love each other instead. (laughs) Like that always is going to get me. Absolutely. Always, every time. Absolutely. But then also, like, 
I mean, I will say, like, I didn't really have any spoilers going into it. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that it was about multiverse. Um, but I, I didn't know really what it was going to be about. I knew that they owned a laundromat, maybe. But, like, I, I, like that's the extent of what I knew. Um, and so one thing that really uh, caught my attention was the googly eyes. Yeah. Was the googly eyes as, like, I, that was a thing that I had seen in trailers and seen around the movie, whatever. And so that was the thing that I was, you know, and when I'm struggling to understand the logic of the movie in the beginning, I'm like, what do the googly eyes, googly eyes mean? And to me, in the end, it's like, they just mean, like, be silly. Like, they just mean, mm. like, enjoy the time that you have. Like, if you can, if between the options of, like, being mean and being kind, being, like, serious and being silly, like, be silly, be kind, enjoy the time, like, have fun. If you have the option to have fun, then choose it. If you have the yeah. option to, like, enjoy yourself and to have a good time, then, like, then do that and make that space for yourself. Um, and that's what it really made me feel. Come on. And just like, yes. no, I know. But that's the thing is that Evelyn is like, she's like, I know that I could be in any universe doing any of these. I could be a movie star. I could be a chef. I could be, you know, all these different things, but I want to be here with you because you're my daughter. And like I want to be here with my family. No, I. Um, somebody put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this. Everything. I mean, what is funny is that this movie came out in <laughs> last March and did win Best Picture at the Oscars. So you know, if it is a spoiler, I don't even think we really gave a spoiler. For, sure, loving that, loving that. Um, okay, I. Wow. I love that take on the googly eyes. And I'm going to have to watch the movie again with that in mind. I saw it as like, I had no idea what was really going on with that one, really. Uh-huh. Until until we got to the Everything Bagel. And oh, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're inverted. I saw, I saw this. Yeah. And it's like. The bagel, I put everything on a bagel. That's the inverse of the googly eye. And it's visually. like, come on. Visual. Yeah, like, that's it's a visual medium. Cool. Like, okay, work, art. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, and it, yeah, it's just like choose choices of perspectives. And like we can, they're the same thing, just an inversion of like we can choose how to yeah. look at the I world. I love that. I love that. Wow. But with the googly eye. Mm. I love that shit. Anyway, so those movies were amazing. Yeah. And that's not even the culture we needed to catch up on. We no, literally. To, that was, that was um, swapping. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just a little tidbit. That's just uh, what's out in the world. Um, before we before we dive into the cultures that we assign to one another, and any other moments in the world, Kenyon. Yes. Uh, this bringing it down a little bit in register. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the news broke. I guess it's like last week now. Um, that. Ryuichi Sakamoto, amazing composer, electronic pop, experimental film artist, actor, humanitarian activist, passed away. Um, And 
yeah, um, that kind of the end of his long battle with cancer. Um, mm. And I've just been really going through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like was, it's been, you know, it's been kind of publicized that like he wasn't doing so well for a while now. And so mentally I was preparing myself, but I died. It really got me, Jerome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his music, I like started listening to him, I don't know, like 12, 13 years old. And I was like, this stuff right here, <laughs> it's like someone speaking to me. I think I said, I said wow. this on the, the episode with Matt. I was like, I felt like people were talking to me that I wanted to write back. Like, this would be like the, ch- the chief example. Ryuji's work wow. would be like the example of that. Um, so it, it feels like losing a pen pal, but also it's like, I've never met this person. I don't know this person at all, but I do. I don't know. Yeah. That's really beautiful because you, I, I was, I've been listening back through, um, LOL. I've been listening back to old episodes of our podcast. <laughs> and we, <laughs> work. Um, <laughs> And when Bell Hooks died, which was soon after Stephen Sondheim died, mm. we we talked then about like getting to to walk the the earth at the same time that these other people did, and that you actually were engaging and interacting with mm. them. Like he he created something and you listened to it, and you created something in response, and that is that's very real. Wow! Like that was your pen pal. Okay. <laughs> not be crying on the podcast. <laughs> um, what was the first? How how did you get introduced to his work? Was it through a a particular film, or was it a yeah? Um, did someone show it to you? Or so I was in middle school. I was in a huge like Studio Ghibli moment. I like watched my first Ghibli yeah. film in like fourth or fifth grade and then was like going through them all in middle school trying to find them and as I did it I fell in love with the scores which are all done by Joe Hisaishi great film music composer pianist etc um yeah and sometime in like the seventh seventh or eighth grade I was like okay I need more of this and so I just did a little google search I was like musicians like (laughs) and on some random like yahoo forum somewhere someone was like someone had already asked that question and was like recommended ryuchi and i and then i went and like immediately fell in love with all of his stuff um probably his like he'd put out an album of solo piano works that were like all things that he'd written throughout his life like originally for electronic instruments or for a film score or whatever, but all done just with him on, on the piano and some of them as piano duets. And they, that was probably the sure. first thing I listened to. And I was like, the writing, the melody. Wow. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. We'll, we'll put that in um, the description or something. Yeah. Yeah. So people can go listen. Yeah. Hmm. Well, how how beautiful that um that you found his music and that his music found you, you know. That's beautiful for both. That's the thing is that like I mean, think about all of the 
you know, you think about the composers or the poets or whoever throughout history that we study now. And the, I feel like the thing that I'd always heard in English class or art class or music class or whatever was like, and this person never sold a single painting while they were alive. Mm. And this person never, right. you know, nobody listened to their music when they were alive. And so it just is very beautiful that you were there. Yeah. You were there. Truly, truly. And and so, I mean, he he's massively influential. Um, and that's going to live on, which is beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, you ready to dive into the swap? Yeah, let's swap. Let's do it. Okay. Swap it up. <laughs> Who's going first? What's <laughs> happening here? Um... um I'll go first, and by that I mean what I listen to. What do you? Oh, okay. What do you assign for me to listen to? Loving it. Um, which was, uh, Judy Judy Garland live at Carnegie Hall in 1961. Set the scene. Tell um, me how you how how did you enjoy? How did you dine on this album? Um, <laughs> okay. Well, you. So it is a recording of this concert at Carnegie Hall, and you told me that I should, like, set myself up just to listen to it as though I were watching a concert or, you know, consuming one one singular piece of media. Um, I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but Very I good. did listen. It's in... Um, it, it was originally released on two records mm-hmm. with four sides. Whew. Because each record has a side. And so I listen to each side kind of as a chunk. Um, which are kind of, they kind of map on to pieces of the concert. Not exactly, because, you know, time. Right. But yeah. Um, but I just listen to it throughout my day. So, like, mm-hmm. one chunk I listen to on the train going to work. And then I had, like, do some stapling at work. And so, like... But while I was doing that, I kind of just, you know, split it up. Um, okay. There are, there are so many things. First of all, <laughs> and we brought this up before, Judy Garland was not on that list of the 200 greatest <laughs> singers or whatever. Right. Um, and that is sick because <laughs> she, not only one of the most instantly recognizable voices. Yeah, yeah. Like, got to be in the top 10 of, like, oh, that's Judy Garland. But also just an incredible talent. An incredible voice. An incredible voice. She, she, there's so much in it. Like, yeah, there's never a question whether or not she's, like, feeling. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. like, you, you have come and you are really singing this song from some real place. Every yeah. time. And I was thinking about that because... When, so the recording is really like... There, there was an original recording of this album that kind of cut out a lot of the... Like you were just hearing the songs. Kind of what we would think of now as a live album. But this is... Not that this is totally rare these days, but just... It is truly like a a live feed of what's happening in Carnegie Hall on at this concert. And so you hear people shouting from the audience. You hear when there's one song where she's like, I forgot the words. <laughs> and that's very funny. Uh, 
<laughs> there is a like there's a song that starts wrong and they have to start it again. Ah, love that. Um, so you like really get to hear all of it, which is amazing. Um, I really, I really, I mean, I know you're going on, but I just wanted to pause no, go here. Ahead. Like, I really appreciated that when I was listening, because it. That's what made me feel like I was there. You know what I mean? It's like I'm having yeah. a real experience. And also just like the, the, you know, it wasn't over, it wasn't a heavy handed edit. It's like, it, yeah. it, it, I don't know. These days it feels like everything that we get is like edited to the T. Yeah. Musically, but also like everything else. You know, where it's like there's no dead air, there's no breathing right. room, there's no. It's like, whoa, okay. It was nice to have those pockets to like process while still yeah. being engaged in the album. Yeah. And in particular, thinking of Judy as someone who was famously and, and publicly like struggling with substance abuse and like, like it's a, it was a time in her life when she was really struggling. Yeah. Um, and there's something about, that it is still unedited, that it is like, even this woman who like is struggling with all these things and like that you, you know, obviously this was 60 years ago, but at the time you would like hear these stories about, about like she's struggling and she's gaining all this weight. And, you know, she talks about that on, in the album or in the, in the concert as well. Um, and even still, like there's something about, I was just telling this to someone the other day, just the idea of like when you when you're watching a performance and you're worried about the performer or the the performers being able to like you know they use a a bad performance is one where you're concerned that they're not going to be able to do it mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. right like you're like oh no like something's going to happen or this isn't well tuned enough or something and then you're like sitting in the audience being anxious for the performer right right and it is never that way this never sounds that way even when she does you know miss a lyric or when she does like when that song miss starts that one time or she's joking yeah. about like oh like i i have to count this one off okay how do i do i remember how to do it and even <laughs> in she she just is so um effusive and is so like it you feel safe in her concert totally. <laughs> like you feel like she is totally steering the ship even if it might get a little bumpy here and there. And bumpy isn't even the right word. Like, even if it it's real, it feels real and authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it's not, you know, totally curated and picked over and edited. Um, and in that way, it feels so genuine. It feels so expressive. It feels so real. Like, she's just a real talent, a real performer that you get to, mm. like, have whisk you away for two hours. Yes, take me away, Judy. yeah um okay one thing that i absolutely adored while while listening was the orchestrations yeah hello okay that's what we need to talk about (laughs) that's what we need to talk about because the the thing that i really kept thinking about was is there an equivalent of this now right in a couple of different directions there is one part of it that is the orchestration like who is writing these amazing orchestrations of these incredible songs. I mean, there are like versions of that. You know, I can think about like, you know, you go to like a Beyonce concert or something and it's like, oh yeah, I'm hearing a new version of the song Mm -hmm. 
But I think the closest we might get to that is like the Super Bowl, as in terms of like a regular yeah. like live reinterpretations uh, of uh-huh. like popular uh-huh. music full forms. <laughs> but yeah, but even then, like I don't know, I feel like so much of you go to see a live show and you know, they're trying to strike a balance of giving you something that is live, that is, like, unique to the concert, unique to the performance, but also, like, you know, you hear this at home, so, like, here's the version of it that you're used to hearing. I think there is really something about the genre in that sense, that there's standards, right? Like, that the thing that you want to hear is the voice and, you know, the the lyric and melody, Mm -hmm. but that there wasn't you know, okay, this is the one way that, you know, the man that got away has to sound. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can have these, like, that. that is what that type of music is like. Um, and so the orchestrations were really incredible. Do you know who did them? Yes, I remember I looked it up right after I listened because I was like, no, 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 yes, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm forgetting. Let me I look it up. I was trying to do some searching, but I didn't search that hard. Yes. Okay, well... I think it's just right here in the, in the Wikipedia. Um, the, sorry, not to, not to come for you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the the Judy at Carnegie Hall Wikipedia page, and well, within the first sentence, it says it's a backing orchestra led by Mort Lindsay, who well, there you go, arranger, composer, orchestrator, pianist, conductor, and musical director for Judy Garland. Merv Griffin, Pat Boone, and Miss Barbara Streisand. And Barbara Streisand. I will say that a lot of it sounded like Barbara. I was like, wait, this is, Barbara was listening to this. Right. And that's very cool. I mean, lineage right there, truly. It is lineage. Um, Okay, this was, Judy Garland was the first woman to win uh, the Grammy for Album of the Year. Wow. And famously, you know, the Recording Academy doesn't like giving that award to women who aren't named Taylor Swift. So <laughs> that is pretty iconic of her. It really is. It No, it really is. And but the other thing that it made me think about is like, I mean, there is something very classic about clapping when you get to, when you know what song it is. You know, when she's starting mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. when either that the the particular like melody line comes in the instrumentation or whatever it is. But um, I don't know. Again, okay, to compare to like a Beyonce album, like, yes, we we know the songs that we want to sing because we've listened to that or a Taylor Swift album or Taylor Swift concert or whoever it is. Um, like, okay, we have listened to the albums and so we know that your music is like on these albums and so... Like, we're here to hear, listen to you sing the songs from your albums. Um, there is something so amazing about, like, that these are not songs that Judy Garland wrote, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and some, and that is something that feels not totally, rem- I mean, obviously people are still, like, singing songs that were written by writers that were not themselves, which is... There's nothing wrong with that. Judy Garland did it all over this album. <laughs> but there's something about, like, I don't know. Like, we, de- I do feel like we've gotten away from the, like, from standards in that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like just thinking about the number of songs that like are standards, but were like Judy Garland made those songs. Like you were talking about her incredibly expressive expressive voice. You know, you think about Over the Rainbow, you think uh, about The Man That Got Away, you uh, think about um the trolley song. Come on. <laughs> clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and you could you can feel the love that the audience yeah. has for her, and that's the clapping moments for me. It was like everyone came to see yeah. to see her, and not just to like, not just to go to a concert because it's a fun thing to do, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's like some there's like a kind of festival concert going energy these days that mm-hmm. like. I don't know how much I really vibe with where it's just like going to concerts to like be at concerts doing a concert activities, but it's not like (laughs) because we love, like, because I need to hear from you. Yeah. I feel like there's both. Like there's definitely the like, Oh, like I have to go see my favorite artist in concert, but then there's also the like, Oh, it's a concert and I'll go because it's at a bar and I'll be out at a bar and have a drink and there'll be music and la la la. And but it's not really about like going to see the artist or going to hear what they're going to perform. It's like going out because it's an activity to go out. Right, right. And and like and hear from them live and in per- it's like getting a the dialogue between the audience and and her. I've really felt like through the, the entire album. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of love in the room. It felt in the recording. Yeah, I mean. And I mean, the way that, I mean, this feels certainly like it doesn't happen anymore. The, the way that they're like, don't like, please come back, please, and sing this song. Right. You didn't sing Chicago. Come right. back and sing that. Well, I mean, that's, she's Judy Garland. And I mean, she's Judy Garland. I mean, it's like, but that's the thing is like, it's spectacle. It's like, it's not mm. just, oh, I'm going to go see a concert or I'm just going to go to Carnegie Hall. It's like, I'm going to go witness Judy Garland at current at singing Carnegie the Hall. songs of my life, you know, like yeah. singing <laughs> the songs that make a life. Yeah. And that's what I mean, there's just nothing else that could be like it, I guess. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't I can see nobody recreating it in any sort of way. Even though somebody did try. Um Oh yeah, um Rufus Wainwright. I did see this. Rufus Wainwright did, did like the, uh, did the whole set apparently. Yeah. What do you think of that? Um you know, I'm I. I know I've never heard it. I don't know Rufus personally, <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm just gonna you know greet that with with gratitude and you know that must have been a gorgeous tribute for Rufus Wainwright to do you know in the, the, the spirit of tribute, homage, uh-huh. honor. Uh-huh. You're saying it like I'm saying something shady, but I'm not. I'm not being shady. I just no, you're not. <laughs> okay, I but I. <laughs> Anywho, I feel like it's really ambitious too. It's like wow, those are hard. So- those are hard songs. Okay, I do think ambitious is a shady thing to say. <laughs> are you kidding me? Okay, are you? You're gonna tell me that? You're well, it is do- two hours, right? Including Over the Rainbow, The Man That Got Away. Oh my gosh, Stormy Weather. That's entertainment. Like Almost like being in love. 
the the rain putting the, on the Ritz, right? San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. Those are come rain or come shine. Now let's talk about come rain or come shine. <laughs> um, it's great. and somehow it's like when I hear somebody else do these songs, they can feel like almost like pastiche. It's like oh, you're like uh-huh. putting on that like old timey thing, mm-hmm. and I listening to the album, it was like. You're just singing this song. Like you believe the song, Judy Garland. Yeah. And so you, and so you're singing it. It's not like uh it didn't feel overly put on. And I guess we already said that. I just uh Yeah. <laughs> it made me long for writers in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that there aren't iconic writers. I mean, certainly like Dolly Parton songs feel mm-hmm. feel like that, right? Like, you know, this is a song that you think of as a song written by Dolly Parton, but, like, that many people can bring to life. Like, that, she feels like a person who writes standards. Um, But I guess just a, I don't know, I think about, like, who am I thinking of? Max Martin? And this isn't to shade Max Martin. I think he writes great songs. But it's not, like, the signature thing is, like, I don't know. It feels feels a lot more artist-specific. Right. Totally, totally. Like, you think about, like, I don't know, like Teenage Dream as a song that like lots of people could cover, right? Because it it does speak to something grand and broad. But like, ultimately, it's like, that is a Katy Perry song in that Katy Perry moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a way that never really fully lifts out of that. Totally, totally. Whereas all these like Gershwin and Gershwin and Rodgers and Hart and et cetera songs we're like written for a show, written for a time and place that then like fully lift out and again like become soundtracks of our lives, etc. And I'm not saying that's it's bad that we've gotten away from that. I'm thinking about like I don't know, um, like Jasmine Sullivan, like songs off of Hotels mm-hmm. certainly feel like like instantly classic songs, and also like Jasmine specific songs. Right. Right. Um. And it does make me think about, like, who is writing the new standards? Where are the new standards? <sighs> Say that again, okay? We're putting a call out. If you're a writer out there, <laughs> we need some standards yeah. from you. Um, yeah, I mean, everything's um, gone so production-heavy, you know? Like yeah, I think like, that's part of it. Which is beautiful, and I love it, and it's like a whole new sonic avenue that we get to play with culturally. Um yeah. But it's like, you know, when you do, when you find you're that right bass, synth, whatever sound, that becomes part right. of the signature of the song. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the covers of them don't quite, like you said, they don't lift out of that that yeah. area. Where it's like, you, I don't know. You listen to The Man That Got Away, it's like, you can play that on any, any instrument you want. Yeah. Guitar, With anyone singing in any key, in any combo. Right. Tempe, even. Like, you can really, like... Well, and because ultimately it's about the melody. And who's writing the melodies? I mean, I'm really thinking about, like, Dolly, Elton, Stevie. Yeah. My gosh, Stevie Wonder. Joni, you know. Mm -hmm. But, like, who's doing it now? I don't know. Yeah. I and I think they're there. I'm, I think we. I think we're just not yeah. being given. The algorithms are really shielding them from us, probably. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what will be. I don't know. I guess some some somebody would 
maybe be trying to tell me that it's Taylor Swift. Maybe they're right. Maybe. <laughs> um, but <laughs> who? Where are they? <laughs> I'm looking around. Uh, um, they're somewhere. Yeah, I'm not trying to say um, that it doesn't exist. I'm saying that I would like to seek that out in my life. I'd like to find where those people are. Totally. Um, um, thank you for suggesting this. Ab- How would I not absolutely. listen to this before? Right. But I mean, there are so many good things in the world, which is why I love this activity for us, because it's like... It's not that we were missing something. It's just that there's more to love. <laughs> and we love Ugh. that. <laughs> we love that. I love that. And we love that. And there is more to love because, wow. Okay. Switching to the one you assigned me. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen me last night in the <laughs> no, dark. I can only imagine. Weeping and then laughing and then weeping and then standing yeah. on my feet and then <laughs> weeping. Yeah. Um, a strange loop, everyone. I mean, I probably am the last person to have listened to it. The show <laughs> came out originally in 2019, question mark, and then hit Broadway. No, I know. I was I was way late, too. Like, I, d- I truly did not listen to any of it before I saw it in January. Wow. So I also was behind. Um, well, it's so funny. I'm sitting here yapping about standards and talk about songs that are not standards. Talk about songs that are specific. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I so appreciated it. Like, yeah. Yeah. This was this. I, I find that I don't really say this that much about artwork, which maybe is troubling. I don't know, but (laughs) I felt seen by this in a way that I haven't felt seen by anything in a, like forever. A long time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Yeah, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Like, whoa. Just, I mean, okay, so for people who don't know, who haven't seen the show, haven't listened to the album, it is. um, Maybe you should tell this summer because you actually have seen the show, (laughs) and I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kenyon. Um, So, (laughs) A Strange Loop is a musical written by Michael R. Jackson. Um, Kenyon's right that it was... There was a production in 2019. I don't know if that was the first. I don't know if it would be right to call that the first, but certainly in its current iteration. And then that was the production that transferred to Broadway and then was on Broadway and won the Tony for Best Musical this past uh, June. Um, and is a show about about a Black queer man writing a musical, about a Black queer man writing a musical, about a Black queer man writing a musical, all the way down. Um, and so it's very, um, meta. It's very meta. And in interviews, Michael R. Jackson is very insistent that it's not an autobiography, that it's not like a show about him, but it's also, but he's also like, it's very much inspired by, I mean, the character in the show, like went to NYU and he went to NYU, like the, the character in the show is an usher at the Lion King. He was an usher at the Lion King. So it's like. Mm-hmm. It's very meta and very kind of like what is real and what is not, and that's fun. In it, I think. Yes, fun is honestly an understatement. It's thrilling. I was like, it is thrilling. I mean, I just listened to the album, so I didn't even get the full story and the narrative. Yeah. But like from song to song, 
it's so dynamic. And it, it like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I just, I didn't even know I was missing that. But like the different voices that each of the, so there's like one main character, the usher, and then the other yes. cast members play the usher's thoughts. Um, yes, and so then each six of the thoughts. Right. Um, and as each thought like came alive with a different characterization as like a parent or as Tyler Perry or as, you know, like, yeah. Um, like so much, it sounded like so much fun to do as a performer. Like, yeah. could you have a, like, oh my gosh, I would die to be in that show. Oh, ah. So much to play around with. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar. Go audition for Strange <laughs> Going on tour. Go do that. That'd be Hello. so fun. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Whoa. Um, yeah. And I mean, okay. So you talk about it winning the Tony Award. It also won mm-hmm. the Pulitzer Prize for a drama. And for, let's talk about that. <laughs> because it was iconic. And it's they... Not a lot of the girls are winning the Pulitzer Prize. Let's just say that. Right, okay. Um, they called it... I had to pull up the quote because I just... It really got me. The show is a, yeah. quote, metafictional musical that tracks the creative process of an artist transforming issues of identity, race, and sexuality that once pushed him to the margins of the cultural mainstream into a meditation on universal human fears and insecurities. Wow. I love that. Transforming? No. That, it's, uh, (laughs) And like, I mean, that is, you know, when you think about, when I think about like modern musical theater, so much of it feels like hunting for like the ultra specific setting where you can tell the ultra specific story that then is universal because we all are people who have feelings, et cetera. Um, and uh, I mean that, you know, that feels like streaming service t- television. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like a lot of things are moving in that direction. Um, but this just really, what I really loved about it is that, I think the show itself does not purport to be everyone's experience, Mm -hmm. but beautifully I at least, and it seems like lots of other people can (laughs) find their experience within it, but without saying, and, and maybe not literally, but like when I watch it and when I hear it, it, it does not purport to be like, and this is what it's like for black queer men, for fat black queer men in America. It's not right, like right. this is, I'm t- telegraphing to you what this experience is for all the people who are like me in these particular identity markers. It's like, this is my experience. This is who I am. Here's how my identity shapes the, or, you know, for that character. This is how his identity shapes the experiences that he has and the different influences and like cultural touchstones that he has in his life and reflecting that out and, and expressing that. And in that way feels just so authentic that it's like, or, or just coming, expressing something that is so truly genuine that is not trying mm. to say like, and here's how we paint with a broad brush. Here's what it's like for all the people like me. Right. Here's what I'm trying to say about, this kind of experience. It's like, it's so individual. It feels so individual and specific. 
that then I I don't get caught up in like, oh, well, actually, it's not quite like that. For yeah, obviously, because that's that particular experience. And so obviously, it is not exactly my experience. Obviously, not every single piece of it is going to track on exactly to me. Mm. And when I let that go, then instead of looking for the differences, I see all the similarity. Yeah. Um, and that's really beautiful to me <laughs> and was really moving. Like, I find that to be very moving about the piece. I'm so curious, like, what parts of the show, if you can remember any, where you're like that, like, what parts really stood um, out to you? Inner white girl really, really, <laughs> really <laughs> took me away. <laughs> really took me away. Well, I thought about you during that song, too. <laughs> <laughs> but also myself. Okay, that was one of the things that's like, the show brings together so many things that I just have never seen in the same place before. Like, yeah. you're gonna dissect, you, Michael R. Jackson, are gonna dissect that, like, <laughs> inner white girl phenomena. You're gonna name yeah. that, dis- like, talk about it, which is amazing and incredible. And then you're gonna, like, in a couple minutes, like, move to, like, the absolute ridiculousness of Tyler Perry and like yeah it's like wait these things I thought they were only in conversation in my brain that's so cool (laughs) yeah yeah which I mean yeah well yeah yeah okay and any particular moments that you you could feel (laughs) yourself getting added oh my gosh um all of them all of them (laughs) Oh, memory song. Oh, yeah. 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 And talk about melody. And you talk about melody. Thank you. Thank you. Talk you. about melody. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what I really love about, I mean, not to get meta on the meta musical, but uh, just thinking about, like, the things that people say about how musical theater should be written and what musical theater is supposed to sound like. And that this show bucks a lot of those things, like just doesn't chooses not to engage with a lot of those kind of standards and expectations. And, and then gets to create things that are so beautiful. So beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Memory song is so stunning. And like really took me to that feeling of like, like when, oh, I don't even know. Can I put this in words? Like when you have to like really go back through your own experience and like parse like, yeah. wait, what was happening in my childhood? Because I'm forgetting. I I don't. Was it all good? Was it all bad? What's hap- Like what happened back yeah. there? Like that. Woo! Oh my gosh, that really got me. Um. And the like spoof as the, the like the um Tyler Perry musical mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of the comedy I was like this is for black people this is for black queer people yeah like yeah this is who like that's who gets the why these voices are that's funny that's why like yeah. the, like oh my gosh it was great <laughs> and you in the show the the set is Pretty simple. Like there, there's there are things moving in and out. Like it is, it is very dynamic, but it is never like 
super specific, I guess. Mm. Like, it is... Throughout the show, the set is not... Um, I wish I knew anything about theater so I could say the words that I mean to say. <laughs> it's not like you're seeing, like, and now we're in my apartment, and so the walls go up, and here are the chairs, and that's the door. You know, it's a little more... Uh, uh, Conceptual, sparse. Yes, both of those things. Um, and... <laughs> and for... AIDS is God, God's Punishment, the, the the Tyler Perry musical, they essentially the back of the stage lifts up, the back wall lifts up, and out comes one of those Tyler Perry play, like, cross-section of a house. And there's, Whoa. like, you know, the kitchen and the living room downstairs and a bedroom, and there's a staircase up, and you can, you know, it's like a house where you've taken one of the walls off, and you yeah. can see all the all the rooms, like a Barbie dream house or whatever. Um, and it's like suddenly this very elaborate, very like you're in that space, you're in that time and so place cool. that is the Tyler Perry play. Um, it's it was really cool and very moving and very like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really love that. Uh, are there things in in Strange Loop that like I don't know. Why did you recommend it to me? Um, Maybe there's no answer to that question. I think just because when I saw it, I mean, it's one of those things that like I do still have that part of my brain that I think I need to crush, mm. <laughs> which is. Like, oh, I don't want to listen to the score. I want to, like, see... I want to see it when I can, like, really fully see it. I mean, it's me saying, like, oh, I don't want to see everything everywhere on my computer. I want to see it on a on a right. movie screen. And so then I see it, you know, 10 months later than I would have otherwise seen it. Um, and it's, like, just just send. Just, like, full send and listen and, and do it. Um, and when I saw it, I was, like... Any day that I have spent not listening to this, <laughs> like not having this in my life when I could have, is I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I right. could have had this in my mind already. Um, and I just found it to be so expensive. I was like, wait, mm. obviously, I, you know, I know that work can look like any number of things, but here is an example of something that, like, all those things we were talking about earlier about like being so specific and feeling so relatable and identifying in it. And also like it being so grandly successful, it being so widely like successful at portraying yeah. what it is like to be a person <laughs> and to move through the world. Mm. And to like try to change. I really appreciated yeah. that. Like it was asking, at least to me, it seemed like those questions about like, is it possible to be different? And it, like, doesn't give you a nice answer, it seems. Yeah. Which I really appreciate as much as it, like, frustrates the part of me that, you know, is out here seeking answers. It's also, like, thank you for honoring the, like, the deep complexity at work in all of us, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Really fabulous work from that Michael R. Jackson. And now um, he has another show. Wow. There's another show that's coming. It's off Broadway right now, I think. White Girl in Danger. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. 
Wow. Well, I hope, um, well, I hope if you listen to this, you go and listen to both of these lovely albums. Yeah. You people out there. Um, yeah, certainly. Both high, both come highly recommended by the two of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've got to do this more. I need a good culture swap from time to time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This was fun because they were both albums. I wonder what other, if we can, I could do another genre of category. Yeah. It is funny that we, you know, could have done anything and both picked albums and both picked like, (laughs) you know, kind of theater adjacent. Right. (laughs) Which maybe says something about who we are, but don't read too much into it. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, divas. We Love That is brought to you by Kenyon and Jerome. Our music is by Sophia Campomore and our art is by Griffin Keller. And please drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. This is We... I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like the idea, though. I like the energy. Oh, yeah.